0: So, if I was starting today as a new solo, I would the do entrepreneurial career. aspect. Going
1: to have to change do. the way they're practicing. Becoming like a leader and
0: analyst. You said they wanted to help young lawyers. Starting a small firm. to be fulfilled. Make it
1: easy to work with your clients.
0: New approach, new tools, new mindset, new solo. And it's making that leap. Making that leap. Making that leap. Making that leap.
1: Well time to get back to work here in New Orleans as we have all bid adieu to wonderful carnival season and the end of Mardi Gras last week. The most wonderful time of the year, as many of us like to call it here. It was really special for me because I turned 50 and I had a lot of friends and family come into town. And of course, New Orleans threw me the best birthday party that any girl could ask for. So we had a really great time I'd like to declare that yet again, we had another king cake off and this year's king cake winner was the king cake that District Donuts was selling, which is hilarious. Not the typical bakeries that we hear about, but um, if you're into king cakes and Mardi Gras, put that on your list for next year for sure. For today's episode, we're going to do something a little different, a little bit um, special, maybe. I don't know if it's special, but you know, I always have a lot of great guests that come on and you might gather lots of bits and pieces of information about running your practice better or how to launch your solo practice. But for some reason, I feel like over the past couple months, maybe... I guess really the past couple of years, I have been really addressing and talking with attorneys about launching their own practice and what types of tools and services do they need and how they get started. I don't have any guests for today's episode. I'm actually going to pretend that you called me and asked me the typical questions that I get. And I'm going to give you the advice that I normally give. I'll mention products, I'll mention things that I like and I don't like. We're going to cover hardware, general software, and legal specific software, some add ons. The types of things that I will say, at the end of a conversation, somebody will say, okay, is there anything else you can think of that I should look at? I'll say, yes, here are a couple of things. And any tips, tricks, and suggestions that I can give you along the way, I will name names and mention products and services that I use and or like, or just recommend a lot and talk about the type of feedback that I get. I can't cover everything in a short episode like this. So I'm going to try to cover pretty much the basics and as much as I can. There are certain things that I'm not going to cover at all because there are other professionals you should be speaking to about things like entity types, professional liability, and trust in bank accounts. So I'm going to stick more to the law practice, every day-to-day stuff that I talk about all the time. So having said that, where do we start? Okay, here's the first thing we're going to talk about. A PC versus a Mac. Doesn't matter Uh, if you're going to run a cloud-based mobile and modern practice, it doesn't matter if you have a PC or a Mac, all of today's services, except for net documents, are really device agnostic, browser agnostic, platform agnostic. You can use whatever you want. The advice I will give you is, this is not the time to switch to a platform that you haven't been using your entire practice. So what I get a lot is, Well, I've always used a PC at the office, but we use Macs at home, so I'm thinking about switching to a Mac. Great! If you have the time to become a really good Mac user, then this is a great time to switch to a Mac. But don't switch platforms just because somebody has said to you, they're easier. Oh, it's way better than a PC, and they don't get viruses, and they don't break down. None of those things are actually true. So what I'm going to tell you is stick with what you know, and get to know it even better. If you are going to switch to a Mac, which is obviously the conversation that I have most of the time, it's not going the other way. I really encourage you to sign up for the free classes that you get at an Apple store to pick up a book like switching to the Mac or watch some videos because it is not as easy as you think. It's not as intuitive as you think. And you're going to have a hard time with your computer while you're trying to launch a solo practice. I cannot tell you how many lawyers I talked to today with a Mac who still don't know that it's a two-finger tap on the touchpad to do a right click. So if you don't know that much about your Mac, please don't take this opportunity when you're trying to (laughs) do something stressful, like start a new practice to decide to switch platforms. Now, having said that, Whether you're a PC or a Mac, when people ask me, what should I get? I don't have a brand that I'm loyal to when it comes to PCs. I've had them all. I probably have four different brands between laptops and desktops right now. And I have three Macs. So what I am going to tell you is max out your RAM. So uh, we all know about hard drive size. You know about um, monitor size. But what most people don't really consider is how much RAM that you're getting with a PC today. If it's a low-end PC, you're gonna get four gigs of RAM. If it's an okay PC, you're gonna get eight. When people call me and say, my computer has really slowed down over the past year, it's almost always because of RAM. And I'll say, well, let's go see how much RAM you have. I bet you, you have four or eight. They always have four or eight. So in today's computer world, You really want a minimum of 16 gigs of RAM and 32 if you can get it. And I have 64. So real quick, why does this matter? Because if you're like me, you have Chrome open, Edge open, Outlook open with 15 emails. You've got Word open with four documents. You've got Acrobat open with 64 documents. You've got a lot of stuff that you're actively switching to and between. And that's where RAM comes in handy. It doesn't have anything to do Actually, that's not true. I was about to say, it doesn't have anything to do with your processor speed. It does. But you and I don't know the difference between an i5 and an i7 or an i7 or, and an i9 on a PC. So you want to get a hard drive that will suit you. And that's an easy thing to look at. How much storage do you have now? And how much of it is full? How much do you keep in the cloud? So storage is easy. That's your hard drive. The processor speed, get the fastest one. When it comes to RAM, this is really where you want to make sure you've got a lot of RAM. Okay, so that's all I'm going to say about RAM. If you've got more specific questions, you can always email me. But just know, I don't have a favorite brand. I just usually will buy whatever specs I'm looking for and whatever I can get my hands on in pretty quick. All right, so once you've picked out your platform and then, of course, your phone, uh, it doesn't matter, again, whether you're an Android or an iPhone user Most of today's programs develop apps and run just the same on your phones or your tablets, but that's a personal preference, I think, for the most part. The next thing I want to talk about is how important making the right decision about Office 365 is. So, yes, you need a subscription to Office 365, or you at least need Word and Outlook, I suppose. This purchasing Office 365 can be really confusing sometimes, but it doesn't need to be. The advice I'm going to give you is make sure you are purchasing a business subscription. If you're going to buy a subscription, which I think you should, you can get Office 2021, I think it's called, where you pay one time and you don't get any upgrades and you only get to put it on one device. I never recommend buying a one-off version of Office. Because when you get a subscription to Office, you are getting updates, you're getting the latest and greatest, and you're also getting a whole host of services that you're paying for that can really help you run your business better. So typically, you want to just Google the words Microsoft 365, which is what it's called now. It was called Office 365 when you were really just purchasing Word, Excel, Outlook, PowerPoint, you know, some of the basic programs. But now you get OneDrive, SharePoint, Teams, bookings, stream for video libraries, collaboration tools. You get a lot of stuff with Office, excuse me, Microsoft 365. So typically I recommend getting the subscription for that most of you are going to pay the $12.50 version. What I want you to do is Google the words Microsoft 365 pricing. Then you're going to get a sponsored link or two, but the very first actual hit you should get will say, compare all Microsoft 365 plans. And in parentheses, it literally says, formally Office 365. When you click on that, you're going to be taken to a landing page that has in pretty small letters for home or switch over to look at business pricing. You're running a business. So you need to click on and switch to business pricing. Over on the business pricing side, there's going to be three or four options and they put them in a weird order. So I'll tell you what you want. You do not want the $6 a month 365 Business Basics, that does not give you the downloadable desktop versions of Word, Outlook, Excel, PowerPoint that you're used to. Those are cloud-only versions of those services. So just skip the $6 a month. If you want email with your Office 365 subscription, you're going to pay for 365 Business Standard. And that's what I think most of the attorneys that I interact with have, That includes Microsoft Exchange and an email service. If you're like me and you have Google Workspace, which is the professional version of Google that handles your email, and you're a solo and you like Google and you don't mind paying six-something a month for that, but you don't mind paying also for Office 365 because maybe you like both, then you can get away with Microsoft 365 Apps for Business which is only $8.25 a month, but it doesn't come with email. You're going to use Google Workspace for email if that's you. But most of us, most of you are probably going to be looking at the Microsoft 365 business standard. Now, a huge warning I have to give you. Of course, you're probably going to buy a domain name first, right? You're going to go out and buy um, bobslawfirm.com, and that's great. You should start there. Many of you are going to go to GoDaddy to do that, or you're going to go to one on one, or I think it has a new name now, or some other domain selling service. When you buy your domain at one of those services, they immediately say, Hey, do you want email and Microsoft 365 with this purchase? Do not do that. Do not buy Microsoft 365 through GoDaddy or any other service. I cannot tell you how many times a month I'm addressing issues with an attorney who can't authenticate a third-party service like their practice management system or something is going wrong because GoDaddy gets in the middle of that authentication or integration process. You want to buy your domain name wherever you buy it and stop there then you want to go directly to Microsoft or talk with your IT person to buy Office 365 and connect your domain name, bobslawfirm.com, with your Microsoft 365 account. It's just really important that you do that. And if it's too late for you, you need to find an IT person who can help you divorce GoDaddy and Microsoft 365. They should not be in a relationship together. All right, the next thing I want to talk about is another just general service It's not legal specific yet, and that is a PDF manipulation tool. You really have to have a professional PDF manipulation tool as an attorney. Adobe Acrobat Reader doesn't cut it. Looking at PDF files in Chrome or in Edge or in Safari doesn't give you the ability to do anything with those PDFs, like edit them, mark them up delete pages, insert pages, redact them, bait stamp them, all of the things that attorneys need to do every day with PDF files, you don't really have the ability to do with a free PDF manipulation tool. It's not even a free manipulation tool. It's a free reader. That's why Acrobat's version of Reader is called Adobe Acrobat Reader. You can pretty much just read PDFs. For the things that you all need to do every day, you want to be paying for a service. Of course, I always recommend Adobe Acrobat Professional, which is about $15 a month. You can install it on as many PCs as you want. It just will only be active on two at a time. So if you if you have a laptop and then a desktop, you can have the same subscription to Adobe Acrobat on both of those computers running all the time. So you're talking $15 a month per person. There are two versions. There's $13 or $15, or $12.99 and $14.99, I think the last time I looked. There's Adobe Acrobat Standard, which is the $12.99 a month version, and then there's Adobe Acrobat Professional. The big difference between those two that we care about as legal professionals is redacting and bait stamps. Those services, redacting, bait stamping, and actually form creation, comes with the professional version. Both of them come with the ability to send out documents for e-signatures. So if you're paying for Acrobat already, you don't necessarily need to be paying for DocuSign or HelloSign or any other service that isn't included with something like your case management system. So Adobe Acrobat is incredibly important. If you use one of its competitors, great. They have great competitors. Just make sure you have the ability to do all of the things that you need to do to PDF files. And then the other thing you want to consider that's just a standard service that isn't necessarily legal specific is QuickBooks Online. And it's just one seat if you're going to be a solo. And even if you're not, you can always start with one seat. And I think that it's usually around $30 a month for your first couple months. And I think it goes up to $50 or $60 a month after that. Please don't get talked into some alternative accounting solution. Most of the accountants around the world today... Really appreciate QuickBooks Online, and that's what they use. And if you decide to use something else, you're going to have to find a certified professional. And it's just, you guys just stick with QuickBooks Online. And also, please do not let an accountant talk you into sticking to QuickBooks Desktop. QuickBooks Desktop will soon be outdated. It's not going to be around forever. You're going to go to QuickBooks Online at some point, so you might as well do it now while you're getting your law firm off the ground. Okay. So, those are the three basic things that I always like to mention. And to just recap on pricing, real quick for those basic services, which is your Office Suite, your PDF manipulation tool, and your accounting package, you're talking $12.50 a month for Microsoft, $15 for Acrobat, and $30 for QuickBooks Online. That's under $60 a month in basic services. And that is a steal. There is no better time right now than to be trying to gather your basic services and your infrastructure together and not spend a fortune. It's just crazy how affordable these services are. And I know, they do add up, right? Once you, $5 here, $15 here, $30 there, it does add up. But I can tell you right now, if you and I were having this discussion 15 years ago, I would have already been in the thousands by now. So just believe me, don't be cheap. Pay for these services, get things going in the right direction, smoothly, professionally, and you're going to be in good shape. The last thing I'm going to say about these services, which will also apply to the future services that I'm talking about um, a little bit later in the episode, is become good at using all of them. Okay, let me take a quick break before I go on to the next segment so we can listen to some messages from our sponsors.
0: What do firms with growing revenue have in common today? They're quicker to adopt client-centered legal technologies. I'm Joshua Lennon lawyer-in-residence at Clio, and this is just one finding from our recent Legal Trends report. Our research shows that firms with growing revenue are 37% more likely to use online payment solutions and 41% more likely to use client portals, two technologies that make it easier for clients to interact with their lawyers. The data is clear. Firms that find ways to make their services easier and more convenient for clients are the ones that see better client satisfaction and higher revenue. For more information on what tools successful firms are adopting, download Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O dot com forward slash trends.
1: All right. So now let's switch over to maybe some legal specific things. And of course, we have to start with case management. I still meet a lot of attorneys today, especially solos, who try to live without case management, and they're creating their bills in Word or Excel, or they're keeping a checklist in To-Do, or just trying to manage cases using email and calendaring. You're just setting yourself up for a heart attack by trying to run your practice without a professional case management system that was designed for lawyers to easily run a law practice. So, There's three buckets that I always talk about when somebody says, where do I start with case management? The three buckets are this. Those that don't come with accounting, which means you need to have QuickBooks Online. Those that come with some form of accounting and it's built in. So maybe you don't need QuickBooks Online. I always say you think you don't, but ultimately an accountant is going to end up putting all of your stuff into QuickBooks Online to do your bookkeeping and your end of the year tax prep and stuff. So QuickBooks comes into the picture, whether you know it or whether you like it or not. It's all about how easy you want to make it on your accounting company Or how easy you want to make it on your internal people. When I have a law firm that is moving from what I refer to as traditional practice management systems, like a PC Law or a Tabs, I cannot tell you how many times the partner, the attorney who's talking to me wants to move to something to QuickBooks Online because they've been told that they can and they should and it's fine. And then they have a bookkeeper who won't. So when a law firm calls me and wants to switch from one of those products, I'm not kidding. One of the first things I say is, how does your bookkeeper feel about this? Our bookkeeper is going to insist on integrated accounting. Guess what I do? I refer them to someone else because that is a red flag for me that this is going to be a big pain in the ass integration because what I'm really talking about or talking to are people who don't want to learn a new way of doing things or don't want to modernize or are afraid that they won't be able to deliver the same services and reports that they've been delivering when that's simply not true. Now, if a law firm says, oh, yeah, he or she can't wait to go to QuickBooks Online, that's music to my ears. That means we have someone who understands the modern world we're living in, who's willing to learn new things, Anyway, sorry, I got off on a side rant there. All right, so bucket number 1 doesn't include accounting. You're going to have to use QuickBooks online or something else, but I already mentioned what I think, why I think you should use QuickBooks. Practice management systems that do have some form of accounting built into them. And by accounting I mean a general ledger, a chart of accounts, the ability to cut checks, write checks, and, you know, manage all of the accounting aside from time and billing. And then the third bucket is going to be case management systems that have all those things, but are often not as turnkey as the first two buckets. And you're going to have to hire some consultants to help you really customize that case management system, in which case you're likely going to spend a lot more money and you're going to have a long-term relationship with whatever consultants you end up working with. So in the first bucket of the products that I think most attorneys can use with QuickBooks Online, the top three products that I normally recommend are Clio, My Case, and Rocket Matter. So you can always go look at those three products. I like them all. Clio's been a longtime favorite of mine for, for several reasons, which I'll mention just so you know why I think Clio is a good product. It's because they have a lot of integrations, and they built their product from the beginning of time with the ability to integrate with third-party services. So I think they're the furthest advanced with that ability. They also are well-funded and have hundreds of employees and continue to develop and grow. I, I just think they're a great company, and I think their product is good. For the most part, it's because of the ability to integrate with things. My case recently got purchased, as did Rocket Matter. So I have a lot of hope for the development for those services that they will, and I have already seen it, start to open their APIs. That's what the plug is called that allows them to talk to other services. So what I always recommend is that you look at those three. There are more than that out there. I don't get a lot of questions about other products unless they are— practice specific. So of course there are some services. If you do immigration, you've got some options out there. If you've got personal injury that you focus on, you've got great options out there. I just encourage you to research and figure out which ones are going to do the best jobs for you. I want the product that you choose to integrate with your calendar, which will likely be Office 365. It could be Google Workspace. All of them do. So make sure that that actually works. And that you set it up that you're not using like some Gmail calendar that a part-time assistant created for you three years ago. You need to be using the calendar that sits inside of your office suite along with the contacts and of course the email. And then you want your practice management system to talk to those three important information databases. And let me give a quick shout out to MyFirmData.com. If you are a Clio user looking for better more in-depth reports because maybe it doesn't have out of the box what you're used to getting from a previous product or you're just looking for more go check out myfromdata.com so those were all you know the first bucket requires quickbooks the second bucket of products that you'll hear me talk about on a consult when somebody says they have to have integrated accounting is cosmolex and zolda suite lovely products They do a lot of things, integrate with a lot of things. So if that's sort of in your wheelhouse, then you're going to want to look at those two. Now, if you need a lot of customizations, you've looked at all those products, none of them do the things that you want. None of them give you the reports that you want. Then you might look at something like Action Step or Centerbase. Those are much more sophisticated products. They're a little more expensive and you'll get with consultants that can help make all of your case management systems come true. Now, look, there are a lot of great products out there, and I cannot mention them all. I'll just tell you the ones that I hear the most about, that I get asked the most about, and that the most comfortable saying, a lot of attorneys use these products. Bottom line is, you're never going to be 100% happy with whatever you choose, and there's no population that is. So if you pick one, you're going to talk to an attorney who says, oh, I tried to use that for a while. We hated it, so we switched. Or you're going to meet someone who says, man, we absolutely love that product. Cannot live without it. We're 100% in. So I just think you really need to take your time asking a lot of questions. Make sure you make the right decision off the bat so you don't have to switch later. But here's another thing I'll say. Today's services are so pliable that it's actually really easy to get your data out of most of them and into something new. So also don't be afraid to change if something is not serving you well and you're struggling with it. Other things that you need to consider with case management, do they come with a client intake process or is that something you have to pay extra for? Do they include texting or do you have to pay extra for that? Do they include the ability to integrate phone calls, communications, and of course, documents. Now, document management is a whole nother conversation where you have to decide whether you're going to use what's baked and built into the case management system, whether you're going to use something like OneDrive. And listen, making a decision about OneDrive is really critical. At the end of this uh, discussion, I'm going to give you a list of past episodes where we've had uh, conversations about related topics just like this. I'm not going to get into SharePoint versus OneDrive right now, but I'm going to point you to another episode where we talked about something like that in depth. When you're thinking about case management and which of those services you're going to use, don't be afraid to come up with a hybrid system. So a lot of times I'll help a law firm set up so that they are using the document storage and sharing system that is built into the case management system alongside with a Dropbox or a OneDrive, because you really need a place to put firm documents that aren't matter-related, like guides and manuals and forms and check request letters and things like that. So sometimes you might come up with a hybrid system, or you do like a lot of law firms do, which is create an admin matter that stores those types of documents and emails. But it's important that you come up with a system from the beginning that works and that you stick with it. If you're going to work within a folder system like a Dropbox or even within your case management system, I always suggest that you create a template folder. So let's say you and your partner that are going to start this law firm together, one of you practices real estate transactions and the other one does estate planning. Have a folder somewhere that's the template for estate planning matters. And that folder simply has an empty shell of all the subfolders that you want every matter to be organized by. What you really don't want is everybody free, willy-nilly, creating folders left and right with names that make sense only to the creator. You really want to come up with systems and processes that make sense and that everyone follows. For that, as you are launching your practice and getting all this stuff together, I cannot tell you how critical it is for you to start creating a firm manual and an office procedures document. Look, it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be an encyclopedia. But what you want is when you do get to the point where you need to hire someone, and believe me, you will, you don't want to spend the first three days of that person's launch walking them through how to do things. Have some basic steps written down. Record some simple how-to videos as you decide on a process using a free service like Loom com, and create a little library of those things. You will thank me later for this. I swear you will. I know it sounds like a pain. And you're going to do something and say, oh, I'll write it down later. No, write it down right away as soon as you decide what is the best way that this is going to work for you. You can always change it later. You don't have to stick to it, but you really want to start keeping a log of all those procedures and processes that you want. My friend Ernest Fenson, Ernie the attorney, some of you may know him, runs sort of a mastermind-like group called Law Firm Autopilot, where he specializes in helping attorneys create processes, follow procedures, and develop systems that help you run a successful practice. So check out lawfirmautopilot.com if that's something that, that sounds interesting to you. The last thing I'm going to say about documents, sort of going back a few minutes, is naming conventions. Every firm I work with says, how do we create a naming convention? You can't, all right? This, it's impossible to create a naming convention that people are going to follow. One person's going to write LTR. The next person's going to write letter two. The next person's going to name a document correspondence. The next person's going to name it C-O-R-R. The best thing you can do is come up with s- suggestions, a list of this is how we name documents. But what I tell people, you call it exactly what it is. Letter to Bob Smith regarding settlement agreement offer. Like literally, you get... 256 characters and a document name, use them all so that when somebody goes to search for a keyword and a document name, maybe they have a better chance of actually making a hit. Of course, today's document storage systems will do full text searching that makes it easier to find context within a document. And so the name of the document becomes a little bit less important, but I'll just tell you right now, it's very hard to get people to adhere to naming conventions. So Rather than, you know, dying on that vine, come up with a document, again, back to your office manual and procedures with some basic suggestions on how things should be named and what they should be called. At the very beginning of this episode, I mentioned NetDocuments, which is a very sophisticated, high-end, an actual document management system. What I think a lot of other things are are document storage, sharing, and syncing services. If you're looking for a very sophisticated, high-end, enterprise-level, and yet affordable document management system, you can look to NetDocuments. I have loved NetDocuments for 20 years. The one bad thing for uh, our population today is it's not that great on Macs. So if you're a PC and you've got you know a lot of document-heavy casework and matters, then I strongly recommend that documents. It integrates with a lot of today's products. So we've talked a little bit about case management, document management, some of the things you want to make sure that are integrated into your case management systems, like texting and communications and the ability to save emails into a matter. And I'm going to give this an honorable mention as an important feature to make sure your case management system has, but we're not going to spend a lot of time on it because this has to be almost an entire episode in and of itself. And that is document merge or document assembly, wherein pieces of data and information from a client dashboard or a client profile can be put into templates for Word or even create PDF files for you. It's a super important feature. Most of today's modern practice management systems have that. So add it to your checklist of things you're looking for. One more thing I'm going to mention that I think is critical are portals. Client portals—I'm a portal pusher. Client portals are a great way to create a secure communication tunnel between you and your clients for a lot of reasons. So if you have the use of a portal through a current case management system and you're not using it, you need to start. But all that to say that it's really important that you work your way toward what we call in legal technology a matter-centric environment. That means— Everything related to a matter is in one central location where any person in your firm who needs access to that information can easily get to it. A case management system is designed to help you do that. What happens is you don't have that matter-centric mindset. You're going to end up with documents on your desktop, in Dropbox, in OneDrive, in emails, In your case management system makes it very hard for you to manage your matters, but it also makes it really hard for someone else to jump in and manage your matters. All right, and let me take a quick break so we can listen to some messages from our wonderful sponsors. Starting your solo practice is exciting, rewarding, and demanding. Alps Insurance understands the unique challenges of startup solo firms. 65% of Alps Legal malpractice Practice insurance policyholders are solos, after all. That's why Alps created First Flight, a program supporting new solos by providing affordable, premium pricing for the first three years of practice. Visit alpsinsurance.com forward slash insurance forward slash First Flight to learn more. Or just Google Alps First Flight. You'll find them. First Flight program subject to eligibility requirements. Yes, yes, you have a website, but do you love it? Does it grow your practice? it should look good, it should work for you, and it should be built by people who care. Practice Made Perfect loves making websites for solos, just starting out or market leaders. And their clients love their websites. PMP's average client has been with them for over six years. PMP is perfect for your website. Practice Made Perfect. Visit pmpmgcom forward slash solo. LawClerk's nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with project-based and also ongoing work via subscription. Sign up is free and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, LawClerk has a new app for your mobile devices to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code NEWSOLO when you sign up at lawclerk.legal. All right, we're back. And so far, we've talked about uh, case management and things that you should look for with your case management system, some choices for you to go and look at and consider. And remember, there's lots of options out there. I can't list them all, but you can certainly do your research. As far as add-on services, which is kind of what I want to talk about next and almost last, I will say this. When you're looking for tools that work specifically for lawyers, even if you're not a Clio user, Clio keeps a great directory of all the products that integrate with Clio. But all of those products and services are also standalone products and services. So if you scroll down all the way to the bottom of clio.com in the footer, you'll see a link for integrations. And integrations is their app directory. Basically, their Google store, their app store for everything that integrates with Clio. But I send people here all the time when they say to me, I'm looking for a voiceover IP service. What's out there? Go look at the app directory. You don't have to be a Clio user, but I think they keep a great catalog of products that have some sort of leaning toward legal. And of course, if you are a Clio user, all of these things integrate with Clio. And then a lot of them, of course, integrate with the other services that we've mentioned or beyond. So that's just a general directory. It's almost like a buyer's guide, I think. And then the um, ABA Legal Technology Resource Center has a buyer's guide that you can go look at too. I'll mention very quickly, as far as anon services, legal research. You know, legal research is obviously very picky. You're probably going to want what you used in law school. But don't forget that your state bar and often your local bar associations have something that they offer for free, like fast case or case text. And so if you aren't looking to pay for um, big firm research at a l- small firm price, then make sure you look toward your bar associations for those. Two services that I always mention and cannot live without that I think everybody should have are, of course, password managers. And there was, you know, until about two or three months ago, I used to be able to say, to date, none of the major password managers have had a breach. Well, lo and behold, LastPass had a breach, and it kind of stinks because— now I can't say that anymore, but um, I still encourage password managers because they're much better than keeping all of your passwords on a Microsoft Word document inside of Dropbox. But I love password managers; they do a lot more than just manage your passwords. You can store all kinds of information that you you know don't have a home for in them. So if you get a password manager, make sure you um, learn to use it to its highest degree. Having said that, TextExpander.com. I'm sure y'all have. Heard me mention it if you listen to New Solo a lot. Text Expander is a live or die product for me. It's basically a text expansion library where I create all kinds of snippets, shortcuts, and it expands my shortcuts into a full paragraph, a full sentence, just my name. But textexpander.com is only $40 a year and it's amazing. There's a good friend of mine out there, Brett Burney, who's a consultant and been a guest on New Solo in the past that has a great learning series for Text Expander called Lawyers.com. I think he charges $99 for this video course on how to really maximize the use of Text Expander as an attorney. So that's another thing I encourage you to spend a few dollars on. It will pay you back tenfold. Another thing I get asked a lot about, and this is a little bit harder because, you know, this is one of those services that nobody is ever actually happy with, are voice over IP services. I have a lot of attorneys that use Vonage and Nextiva. The best thing I can tell you is which service do I get the least complaints about? Which service do I hear the least bitching about? <laughs> Sorry for the colorful language there. But I actually hear a lot of nice things about Dialpad. So, Dialpad is an option. Nextiva, Vonage, and Ring Central are obviously affordable voice over IP <laughs> services that also can include texting and faxing if you still need it. Now, if you decide to take on a receptionist service, a lot of times you'll get a phone number and text messaging with that monthly fee for virtual receptionists. I have two right now that I like and that I use. So I'll recommend both Ruby receptionists I use for law tech partners for my private company. And then I've really enjoyed recently using Abby connect, which I use sometimes when I can't answer the phone for the bar associations that I work with. They are geared toward legal. They're reasonably priced and I, they have apps that are easy for me to manipulate and use, turn the service on and off. And so those are two services that I like and use and can recommend from a first-hand experience. And then, of course, there's smith.ai and I think back office Bettys I hear about sometimes. And those are also services that I hear about. I can't speak to those on a first-hand basis, but I just wanted to give you some names to go out and research. Phew, that was a lot of information coming at you at a pretty fast pace, but I hope it gives you a concise list of how to get started and the absolute basics that you need to either launch your solo practice or just to make sure you've got what I think are important pieces and parts to running a successful practice. We didn't get into things like websites and marketing. Um, If you go back through the new solo catalog, there are certainly plenty of episodes that cover those types of things, including the episode right before this one where Guy Sakilakis and I talked about Google business profiles, which I think are fascinating and important. So if you're looking for a way to get started with Marketing, that's a good episode to start with. Some other important episodes that I want to mention, and I've been doing this for a really long time, so it's hard for me to go back and remember them all, but I do remember, and I'm going to list for you, the ones that I am always referring people back to, and those are related to topics that we've discussed today. If you go back and do a search for a September 30th, 2021 episode called A Short Primer on Microsoft Accounts, OneDrive, and SharePoint, That's really going to help you understand your Microsoft Office options and the difference between OneDrive and SharePoint. We also did, with my favorite IT um, consultant out of Florida, Adam Alexander, the Microsoft 365 special, your questions, expert answers, which also helps with understanding a lot of the things that you get you're paying for. And pitfalls with Microsoft 365. And by pitfalls, I mean mistakes that people make, like trying to use OneDrive as a replacement for a server. So you can go back and do a search on Legal Talk Network for the Microsoft 365 special that aired back in April of 2022. Then, two timeless episodes on accounting and financial management come from August 30th, 2019. One of my best friends, Amanda Moore, is a CPA. We did an episode called Money Management 101 for Solo and Small Firm Professionals. And then I had uh, the wonderful Peggy Grunke from cpn-legal.com on what happens when solo and small firms don't have their financial houses in order. That one is titled, Oh, the Messes We See. And it aired on February 25th, or I should say it dropped on February 25th, 2021. Finally, a couple years ago, it's been a while, but this is still a good episode. One of uh, my listeners, Dean Blanchford, did for me, for us, a listener's guide to the new solo back catalog, where he went through all of the episodes that he found to be the most useful when he was launching his practice up until, you know, about June, I guess this was June, 2021. So let's say up until... May of 2021, and I think that's a good concise list of other episodes you should go back and listen to if you're launching your solo practice. So I hope you find this episode helpful. If you have any questions that came from this episode, I'd love to hear from you. If you have any products, services advice for new solos starting their practice that you don't mind my reading off or mentioning in future episodes, please send an email to me at newsolo at legaltalknetwork.com. I'd love to hear from you. So having said all that, I hope you found this episode helpful. Hope you enjoyed New Solo. If you did and know of other attorneys who would find New Solo or any of the other great podcasts on the Legal Talk Network helpful, please tell them about it or them. See you next time on New Solo. I've
0: been running from nine to five. Been biting my tongue for all this time. Won't let anyone cut me short.